Welcome back to the Cape Fear Rundown. From WHQR Public Media, I'm your host, Camille Mojiga. This week, Kelly joins us to ask me about my visit to Guilford County and to talk about why we travel for reporting. And then, Nikolai joins us to talk about a meeting he covered. Stick around. Sometimes we like to take trips as reporters to different places around the state. Now, you may be thinking, but hey, you're a local reporter. That's true. But sometimes a place is doing something cool and innovative that we could be doing here. Kelly joins me now to get into it. Welcome back to the Cape Fear Rundown. I'm here with Kelly Knoyer. Camille Mojica. Hello. Hello. We're talking about travel today. Yeah. Because you went to a school outside of our school district. I did. I drove all the way over to Guilford County. For any of you who don't know where Guilford County is, that's where the town of High Point is. So I drove all the way over there, which is about three and a half hours one way. And why did you have to drive all the way to this other county (laughs) for a reporting trip when, you know, you don't really cover that area usually? So I went all the way over there because we're talking about newcomer schools, um, which is something that has been in our news cycle for a little while. Um, after comments were made by Dane Scalise, as well as Natasha Tu, who is a candidate for school board. Um, and there's not, there wasn't really a lot of clarity about what a newcomer school was. So Ben, Rachel, and I, who are working on a newcomers and Mosley newsroom, were like, why don't we just go? And just so I remember correctly, basically this all came about because there was discussion about turning Mosley into a newcomer school, which means it's a school focused on people who are working on English as a second language. Often they're new to the community because they're immigrants or they're refugees, et cetera. So it's kind of to help support them transitioning into the American school system, right? Yes. And it is a choice program, which basically means when these families come here, they get an option of, do you want to send your child to a newcomer school for a year? Or do you want them to go straight into a traditional school? Mm, Over there, the principal, Christopher Walters, told me nine times out of ten, people will opt to send them to the newcomer school. Um, And it's basically they're learning same stuff that they learn at the other schools on grade level. There's just more focus on the ESL aspect because a lot of the kids that do come don't speak English as their first language. Yeah, gotcha. So the reason that you went to Guilford County for this is because we don't have a newcomer school. But there was discussion about building a newcomer or creating a newcomer school in this area. So you wanted to see what an existing one looks like, right? Yes. And Guilford County is actually the pioneers of the newcomer schools here in North Carolina. Um, They opened Doris Henderson. And then the one that I visited, Sylvia Mendez, was opened last year in September. So they're really the pioneers of newcomer education in the state. So... They're not that far away, so I figured, okay, I'll just go drive and see what a newcomer school is. Okay, so how was it? It was it was a really great experience. Um, I got to talk to staff there. I got to speak to their chief of staff, their principal of the school, um, and they're really excited to give tours. I mean, they gave um, a tour back in November to our school district of New Hanover. We had staff go over there to tour their schools, and they've been giving tours a lot more recently because newcomer schools and immigration is something that's popping up back in the news cycle. Um, And they were just really, really excited to have a reporter there to explain what a newcomer school is and actually be on the ground. And like, 
see it and see the kids. I mean, it was great. The whole time I was walking through the hallways, like you could hear the kids laughing and talking. They were super engaged in their schoolwork. It was just a great thing to see. You've actually also traveled for reporting trips though. You've gotten all the way over to Chapel Hill and you rode a bike. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> why, why did you go all the way to Chapel Hill to ride your bike? I didn't ride my bike to Chapel Hill. <laughs> Yes, sorry, I should probably clarify. Kelly did not ride her bike to Chapel Hill. She rode her bike in Chapel Hill. Okay, you can leave the laughing and it's fine. (laughs) I didn't ride my bike to Chapel Hill. I rode my bike in Chapel Hill. And the reason I went there is because I was doing a story about cyclist and pedestrian safety. This was a couple years ago, but it's my favorite newsroom I ever did. Partially because I got to take audio while I was riding a bike, which was fun. (laughs) But I went there because there was um, a tour going on at UNC Chapel Hill where they have a really significant public planning division. Mm. um, And they were kind of showcasing how urban planning can create safer or less safe spaces for cyclists and pedestrians. So I was doing a cycling and walking tour with all these professors who study this stuff. And it was super integrated with the data. um, And I got to interview like this Canadian uh, speaker who talks about this stuff a lot. So it was really great for networking and for interviewing. And then I just basically took all of that knowledge and brought it back to Wilmington because Wilmington is one of the most dangerous cities in North Carolina for pedestrians. So it was super interesting. And I got to talk about um, talk directly with them about the flaws in our system. Mm -hmm. Um, Market Street is still one of the most dangerous streets in Wilmington, and it would take a lot of work to fix that. Uh, please go back and listen to that newsroom if you're curious, because although the data is outdated by like two years now, the information is still accurate, I yeah. would say. We'll have a link in our show notes to that episode. I've also traveled a couple other times. I went, I've gone to Bald Head Island twice for reporting trips, one for alligators and one for turtles. Um, that was fun. Reptiles! Reptiles! And the second one, I got to go kayaking, which thank you for helping me produce that piece. That was a great time. It was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. It was so fun. And I, you know, being able to kayak for my birthday for work was awesome. Getting paid to go kayaking. Right. NPR loved that story, too. They played it twice. Yeah. Um, And then the other one that I traveled for was um, I did a story about a farm in Pembroke that does a really interesting style of kind of natural farming. Mm -hmm. Um, that uses high tunnels and anyway that was also a really interesting story but i did drive very far for it um traveling for stories is fun because it kind of gets you out of the bubble of wilmington this town has its own way of doing things and it can be really helpful to go and see other ways of doing things and then bring that information back to this place which is why we do it and i we're was lucky. gonna say that seems like why we did it we go over to somewhere else to see how they do it and then bring those solutions and resolutions and how they do stuff back here to say, well, there's different ways to do things and this is how other places in our state do it. Yeah, I mean, I think we're pretty lucky to be able to do that. Um, There's discussion of even going to other states for solutions type journalism. I look at it mostly it's solutions journalism that we do this for. Mm -hmm. We're not just going to say, look how crappy this other city is, you know. (laughs) We're going to say, look at this interesting thing this other city is doing or this other county or other school district. What would that look like if we did that in New Hanover County? Especially when it's already kind of in the headlines as the newcomer schools are. Yes, I think it's really valuable not just for the news cycle here and our listeners and readers but i also think it's valuable for us yeah like the reporter ourselves to go see what other places are doing 
I mean, it's fun, number one. Number two, yeah, you get to travel and go somewhere. But you, I also learned a lot when I was in Guilford County. I don't know about you and your trips, but it seems like you also learned a lot from places you've been to. Yes, definitely. And I'm excited to hear your story about it. You have a feature coming out this week, right? I do. It's probably going to be out by the time the CFR runs. Yeah, it will be. And then when is your newsroom about newcomer schools coming out? Okay, so uh, Rachel, Ben, and I are actually meeting tomorrow to talk about it. Um, Our newsroom is probably going to come out within the next two weeks, which is super exciting. Um, I'm actually turning the feature from Guilford County into a longer newsroom segment. Um, and it's it's just going to be really cool. It's going to be really cool to juxtapose what they do with what we were thinking of doing and the conversation, how it all weaves together. I'm really excited and I'm glad I got to go. Well, I can't wait to hear it. Thank you, Kelly. Thank you, Cammy. And thank you for being on the show with me this week. You're welcome. Covering public meetings can be spicy at times, as Nikolai will tell us. When communities are angry about something, there are times we want to be there to learn about what's being done about a specific issue. Here's Nikolai. Welcome back to the Cape Fear Rundown. I'm here with Nikolai Mather. Hi. Hi, Nikolai. What's up? Um, I'm here to talk to you about a meeting you went to on Monday. I did go to a meeting, yes. Can you tell us about this meeting on Monday? Yeah. It was basically a meeting between Carolina Water Service, which is a private water company that serves a bunch of people in North Carolina, including in Hampstead up in Pender County. Um, Okay. And basically this meeting was called because a lot of residents who use Carolina Water Service up in Hampstead have been complaining about water quality issues and also really, really high bills. So Carolina Water Service kind of called this meeting to try and clear the air. Okay, well, did they? (laughs) Yeah, I'm not really sure they were successful because people were really mad. I mean, like, I think it was about, like, 70 people there. And, like, when you walked into the room, it was at, like, Topsail Middle School in the cafeteria. When you walked into the room, like, the anger was palpable. Was it really? It was, yeah. One of the, the president, Don Denton of Carolina Water Service, like, got up in front of the crowd and started trying to go through the presentation. But eventually, like... You know, people started to heckle him, started asking, like, questions really loudly, like, got really angry Mm -hmm. over, like, you know, what they perceived to be a refusal to answer questions about the water quality and about the water bills. So I'm not really sure they were super successful. They also didn't really make any concrete promises to make improvements. Okay, what did they say, though? They said that they were exploring other funding options other than, like, introducing rate hikes. Um, because they were like, it's clear that y'all don't like these really high rates in water. Um, like they're like, we totally understand that. So we're exploring other options, including like applying for grants or loans or things of that nature. Um, and they also said that they had hired a quote, independent engineer to assess the water quality in Hampstead. Um, which you said that people were complaining that their water quality was poor. Um, Yes. Did they give a reason why that is? First of all, what is the water looking like? It kind of depends from house to house, you know? Like, some people have complained that their water is discolored, comes out brown, comes out black even. Yeah, others have said that it comes out with a really strong odor, sometimes like with sulfur. Other people just complain about the level of hardness in the water. Okay. Um, So something that the representative said, like, you know, the folks from Carolina Water said... Uh, was that a lot of these characteristics that they're complaining about are secondary characteristics. Like, there are primary characteristics with water, like, is it clean? 
are there like microbiome is there like microorganisms in them you know like things like that and then secondary characteristics are more about like the quality of the water like is it does it smell okay does it look okay you okay. know um which their words not mine um black water though yeah and then the issue with the bills too like there's this one guy that stood up and talked about like compared his bill to like Wilmington's water rates, like CFPUA's water rates. And yeah. we'll get back to him in a little bit. But basically he said that he's paying three times the amount that people in Wilmington do. Um, another lady stood up and said that she once got a $3,000 bill for one month because- Why? What happened? There is a leak and CWS didn't catch it until like later. Oh. So eventually they did rescind the bill. I don't think she had to pay it, but she was still like outraged that they even issued that bill to her, you know? Yes. So, but anyways. The reason that they gave for saying that the water or the reason that they gave for why the water quality was poor was they sort of blamed the issues on the area's aging infrastructure and said the high bills sort of reflected the costs associated with maintaining it. And I can kind of see how that would happen. Like the two main neighborhoods who were like represented at the meeting were Belvedere Plantation and Old Point. Okay. Um, they're the two largest neighborhoods that Carolina Water Service serves in the area. But they were both built in, like, the 70s and 80s. So that would mean that the infrastructure is, like, what, 50, 60 years old by now? Or no? Yeah. 40, 40, 50. 40, 50. <laughs> I'm not good at math. Neither am I. <laughs> <laughs> I just immediately trusted you. I said, yep. Yeah. It's, like, a number. It's, it's a number of years. It's getting old. Like, yes. that's understandable. <laughs> Still, like, and I mentioned this guy standing up. His name is Rance Moore. Um... He said, like, he specifically compared his water infrastructure, like, to CFPUA because he said CFPUA, it's a lot older than Hampstead. You know, Wilmington is a lot older than Hampstead. And still, they are able to provide, like, pretty quality water at a third of the cost that he pays for his, like, for his water bill. So, I don't know. He said that he didn't really buy the infrastructure idea as the sole reason for why the water quality was bad and why the bills were high. Okay, so the way that CFPUA works here, though, is that it's a it's a public water utility, but Carolina Water Service is private. Bingo. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, CFPUA and indeed other public water companies are, in my opinion, <laughs> a lot easier for residents to deal with. Um, number one, they're typically like a lot cheaper. Number two, the public tends to have a lot more oversight over them, whether that's through like an advisory board or mm -hmm. through just like voting for public officials that they think will be good stewards of their money mm -hmm. on like this public water company. Yeah. You know, like they're able to choose people who best represent their interests. They're not really able to do that with private water companies. Well, yeah, some of our public officials are actually members of CFPUA's board. So that does make sense. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And then like the third reason is... Like, I can see sort of like a natural incentive for public water companies like CFPUA to be much more efficient with their money because it's the public's taxes. And, you know, like, especially in North Carolina, where there is a very strong contingent of people saying, like, don't overspend my money. Mm -hmm. You know, they're going to be a lot more careful with how they spend their money, a lot more choosy with it. Whereas with private companies, you have to make your investors money. And sometimes... Providing a satisfactory product or doing routine maintenance can take a back seat to that goal. Okay. Now, I'm not saying I'm not saying that that's what's happening with Carolina Water Service because genuinely I don't know. Nobody knows unless they work for the company. Like it's there's not really any oversight that the public has on these private water companies. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah, Carolina Water Service didn't even have to call this meeting. Like they could have just been like, 
whatever, we're not going to listen to you, you know? Um, but yeah, with private water companies, there's just very little oversight. One lady at the meeting actually asked if it was possible to fire Carolina Water Service. And like, unfortunately, like, no, if you don't like it, you can't really do that. It's a mm. private water company. Pender County has no say over them. Like, your house is sitting on Carolina Water Service lines, and they have not indicated that they're willing to sell those to Pender County or any other public utility. So short of moving or ponying up the money to build your own water source, you're kind of stuck with poor water and a high bill. So I was just about to ask you one more question, actually. Why are they on private water lines in the first place? Yeah, good question. I didn't really understand this when I first started covering Carolina Water Service last year, but I had a lot of very nice people explain this to me. Back in the day, Pender County didn't really have the infrastructure to support these big neighborhoods. So the developers built their own water lines and then sold them to Carolina Water Service to Mm. maintain. And like, make no mistake, these neighborhoods are extremely nice. Like Old Point and Belvedere both have country clubs. They both have golf courses. Both have houses allegedly starting in the hundred thousands, but more recent listings show that number actually to be around four to six hundred thousand. Like these are very these are luxury neighborhoods. Um, And that kind of seems to be the clientele that Carolina Water Service aims for luxury neighborhoods and rural areas that were developed before quality county utilities came to fruition. But now that Pender County is established, the disparity between the private and public is a lot more clear. Well, we'll have a link to your story in our show notes for this episode. And Nikolai, thank you for being on the show with me this week and explaining this whole meeting to us. Yeah, thanks for having me. Thank you so much for listening to the Cape Fear Rundown. Check out our show notes for relevant links and titles to the music we use this week. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or just general feedback, feel free to get in touch. You can shoot me an email at cmojica, that's M-O-J-I-C-A, at whqr.org, or you can find me on x at Cami Reports. I'd love to hear from you. I'm your host, Camille Mojica, and I'll see you next week.